0: So I'm on my way back from the first industrial hemp trials in South Australia since the last 20 years have gone by. We've had nothing in the way of industrial hemp in South Australia. And I'm about 180 kilometers out of Adelaide, heading uh, back home. And funnily enough, hemp grows in South Australia. Who would have thought that uh, pretty impressive uh, to go and see it in person and uh, we were fortunate enough to be invited out there by uh, the government and the government trials I would say at this stage a success. There are two locations uh, happening in South Australia and I probably can't talk about them specifically right now as to where they are but... There's a location in the southeast, and there's a location up north, which I've just been to on behalf of uh, my company, Hemp Clothing Australia, and my uh, position on the Industrial Hemp Association uh, Committee, Uh, that's the Industrial Hemp Association of South Australia, IHASA, and the government interaction with private industry and uh, the association and farmers has been quite good and uh, I'm pleased to say that it looks to be heading in the right direction we look to be heading in the right direction for industrial hemp and uh, as far as South Australia is concerned uh, we we've made some progress this looks good so this is good things for the industry Uh, this is good for the government. Uh, They're listening. It seems to be they're listening, and this is good for the prosperity of all South Australians and Australians. Irrespective of what happens with these trials, I am confident that we will learn a lot, and uh, irrespective of if you think trials are a waste of time or not, um, I've certainly been on both sides of the fence. I think. At least we are doing something. We are seeing something happening. There are cultivars in the ground, many cultivars in the ground, and uh, they are growing. And uh, from what I saw today, none of them had failed. So we had plants uh, at least, at least four feet, five feet high, and they'd only been planted um, seven weeks ago. So, uh, plenty of biomass already there, nice beautiful lush green colour and all from cultivars selected by um, the, the government's operating body on this project and uh, we have cooperation essentially from Persa and Sardi uh, working on this together and uh, I'm uh, pleasantly surprised. I, I did. I don't think I was very hopeful for what I would see today for a number of different reasons but having been out there and seeing what I've just seen and talking to the people who are in charge of this project, talking to uh, the farmers who have come along and other members of industry and government um, I think there was a positive vibe at the end of uh, the proceedings and um, yeah, I'm, I'm more optimistic now having been seeing the site and uh, the site in the southeast apparently has had some issues but it is still growing perhaps not as well as the site we've just been to but uh, both are essentially growing and lots is being uh, sort of learned through through this this process we are getting there It, it looks to be really positive so that's great so my name is Chris Martin this is the Chem Clothing Australia podcast, and thank you for tuning in. If you can hear the audio, in the background is a little uh, rough, it's because I'm actually driving back to Adelaide um, with a headset on, just outlaying my thoughts. And uh, I've got a two-hour drive, or two and a half-hour drive at least, ahead of me, so. We will easily be able to get through about another hour in this podcast, and I'll just be relaying a lot of my thoughts on where I think this is all sort of heading, and um, I'm literally just driving over a crest right now, and there's some machinery harvesting uh, what looks to be like wheat or something like that, but very similar machinery. I've just seen harvesting 18-foot hemp plants over in Europe, so... um, you know, we've we've got uh, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of room to grow here in South Australia, and um, I can see I can just see it happening. We've just got to keep keep plodding along and focusing on the target. Um, and as I've said since you know almost day one in regards to hemp cultivation in Australia, I don't really. See that we're going to be growing a lot of hemp necessarily uh, for the clothing and textiles um, industries right away, at least. Uh, I think food, uh, food, uh, foodstuffs, so oil, um, seed, and uh, just in general, food categories of the hemp, uh, industrial hemp plantation uh, options. Will be the primary industries to get going, but long term we we don't know. I mean, maybe there is a position for uh, farmers to be growing uh, textile-based uh, cultivars of hemp. A specialist um, will sort of let us know whether or not that's viable. But um, essentially, there's a lot of uh, a lot of cultivars which lend themselves to producing hemp uh, for textiles and I would be really interested to see if we can get that going in Australia uh, long term because uh, whilst there are sort of leaders in the field at this stage uh, internationally um, you know there's no set uh, there's no set direction for how the industry will develop long term we don't know where we'll be sourcing from in you know 15 20 years uh, or as soon as 10 years from now my suspicion is for the the textiles industry clothing and textiles we will definitely still be sourcing from china and other parts of the world Um, there are quite a lot of options already existing for uh, hemp clothing uh, to sourcing and manufacturing and um, each sort of brand or organisation looking at moving into the field has to do their research as as to find out what is the right way uh, to go, where is the right place to take their business uh, if you cannot source locally, uh, if you cannot make your fabrics or your yarns, uh, if you cannot create your product locally, you will obviously have to rely uh, on outsiders um, or as uh, I sort of view it, um, trade partners, international trade partners, that will help you achieve the things you want to achieve. So uh, we don't really have an issue, so to speak, with uh, our product at all. In, in fact, I've I've said many times on you know uh, to many different uh, clients and the public who ask a lot of questions about where our stuff is made, our our product, where is it, you know, where is it sourced, where is it coming from Uh, i've said on numerous occasions that uh i've looked into multiple places around uh, the world to make our product and uh, at this stage at least we still choose to make our garments in china but that is partly due to the fact that their hemp industry has never really uh, disappeared they've always been uh quite into the idea of having hemp and growing hemp for all sorts of different things but as far as the stability of their industry it is is very strong and they also have the bulk of the world's machinery to process the hemp and create amazing quality textiles and amazing quality garment productions um i uh i like working with the chinese uh on our existing range and uh, our future endeavours, I don't see any issue for us to break. Uh, that would cause us to break away from them. But um, I would love to see more industry engagement here in Australia. Uh, I would love to see if we can perhaps grow our own hemp uh, here, specifically for textiles and fashion. But um, there's a few missing pieces in in the uh, in the chain, so to speak. Uh, to get a garment you know from growing the hemp to uh retting the fiber to creating yarn to spinning that yarn um uh, with fabric mills and you know, taking that yarn to fabric mills and making it into um, the sorts of fabrics that we want um, those are the sorts of things that all those ducks need to line up so to speak and uh the biggest part that's missing right now in the Australian industry is obviously the hemp because we don't have a lot of industrial hemp being grown at this stage. I mean, it is, uh, sort of is... We're getting there quite quickly, it, it would seem. Um, but it is the process of the retting and the uh, producing of yarn to take to the fabric mills. Uh, that is the, the missing link right now for the fabric and textile industry, uh, clothing industry. Uh, we... We need some more solutions there, which could quite easily uh, be be sourced, or we could we could we could fix those problems. But it's going to require purchasing um, certain machinery or um, creating new uh, industry jobs to essentially uh, set up um, fibre processing. Um, and I don't know how viable that is in our current. You know, socio-economic climate. It, it, it is an issue always of workers' wages and uh, what that does to the price uh, of the end garment. Um, I have no doubt we have the skills to to do something like this in Australia. But I want to make sure that if we ever invested, you know, further resources, further money and time beyond what we're already doing into. Uh, getting into this venture here in Australia, then um, we want to make sure that that is a viable product. Um, Workers' wages are a a fact of reality and I am not a fan of, you know, uh, workers being abused or underpaid or uh, treated with any sort of inequality. That is just a huge no-go zone uh, for me in life and in business. So, um, if the case is that you know, other parts of the world have lower minimum wages um, well that's up to each country to decide and, and, and work on those things to find the, the level playing ground but um, it is always workers' wages primarily and then processing costs which will define uh, the cost price of the garment so when we get to... Um, the shop floor and we've got a retail price that's you know already been through a brand that's done you know a wholesaling price and then it's been through uh the retail store or the online store who has some sort of an agreement with that brand a wholesale agreement or a supply agreement an intent agreement um as to what that final retail price ends up being but in terms of the cost of a garment um we often have to keep a very close eye on manufacturing costs just to make sure that the end user, that, you know, um, the public uh, companies or government or whoever ends up buying and sourcing our garments, we have to make sure that the price is viable for the product and uh, that the product does not suffer, you know, because of price cutting. That is a that is also a huge no-go for me in, in life and in business. I, don't, I do not believe in... Shopping away at a product, you know, through cost cutting uh, to meet a cost of a certain project, you know, if if the quality of the garment is going to suffer so badly uh, due to a cost cutting uh, requirement, then that is not something that I want to be involved with because I just do not agree with designing something so poorly that it essentially makes the whole the whole project itself useless or a pointless exercise from the outset because you've literally designed something. Uh, you have engineered obsolescence into that product. And this is something that we have seen throughout many industries, You know, not just the, the clothing and, and textiles industry. We're talking about the automotive industry, electronics, um, anything that you can think of has basically had someone at some point in time or a group of people at some point in time, a corporation of some sort or some description sees an opportunity to create a cheaper, inferior product in the hope of just selling more units and generating profit that way. Um, They want that return buyer coming back and buying again and again and again and faster and faster and faster. Uh, I mean, you only have to look at smartphones in this day and age. They have a pathetic... Lifespan, and uh, in some cases, we have evidence to suggest that smartphones are engineered to basically die, or the batteries are designed to just blow up after a while, or the uh, software updates will have things in there that essentially slow the phone down. Um, And it's not even an old piece of hardware, you know. You have phones that are less than a year old and they start to go on the blink, as we would say, they start to have issues. This is fundamentally. Uh, a core problem a, a, a principle of every form of manufacturing on the planet every form of product development on the planet that we need to overhaul and purely just just for the basic uh, you know reasons of cutting back on, on our usage of resources and um, sort of overcoming this addiction to profits and um profits by any means possible I mean I I have no issues with companies individuals, anyone making a profit but we have uh, basically sort of hit this uh, peak of uh, I would say you know devious or um, an unsatisfactory level of uh, acquiring wealth at any means necessary, Uh, this sort of way of business that I I personally don't think it's sustainable I think many of you at home listening to this if you're interested in this podcast or my company or the the things that we do in Hemp Clothing Australia then you probably already sort of aligned with this train of thought that we have a huge job ahead of us to sort of correct the course of history in saying no to Know, corporations or companies that would deal us products that we know are not designed to last or we know are designed for you know one purpose and one purpose only you know profiteering uh, return on investment at any means necessary. Like, this is this is the thing that I want to overhaul particularly in my industry uh, you know the clothing and textile industry um and it's not hard to do with hemp we can do this so easily with hemp um the reason it has been missing for so long from our use, the public use, and you know the company's uh, ability to access hemp, you know uh, the the corporate ability to access hemp on mass, uh, it's been really relegated to a few places in the world for the last seven to eight decades. Um, it's only now that the West is waking up and. Figuring out that you know if we're going to send all of our money elsewhere around the globe uh, because we're so tied to this idea of you know cannabis is bad and you know THC is a, you know the devil's drug and you know all this bullshit that has been spun uh, since you know the, the 1920s and even further back than that all this. Uh, propaganda and uh, disinformation that has been dispersed by the paper milling industry. Um, you know, the the pharmaceutical industry's crackdown on on cannabis as a medicine. Um, the numerous numerous uh, government-based attacks, uh, which are, if you dig deep enough, industry-based attacks on cannabis and 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 the hemp industry. Uh, these things are so well documented now that it is impossible to wind back the clock to those times. I think it's out there now, you know, hemp is back, cannabis is coming back at a rate of, of knots. It just, it, I've said this in the previous podcast, it, we, can't, we can't stop it now, and I, that, that's great. I, I think this is the way it was always supposed to be. But the point I'm sort of trying to drive home here is that we have to sort of persist, uh, persist, sorry, that this is not taken away from us again. It is so important to improving the livelihoods of everyone that we essentially overhaul what is the norm. You know, uh, we've, we've been down this path. We've seen what it's like to be hidden away from the truth, be hidden away from, you know, true quality products, uh, to be shoved into this sort of funnel of uh, you know corporate direction and our government hasn't even been telling us the truth on this I mean across the world Western governments in particular um, a lot of the oceanic governments um, you know, Asia um, a lot of them have had this sort of crackdown happen since the the, the 20s and 30s and it's left this huge hole where quality and, uh, authenticity and, um, the truth was, you know, that, that's a part of life, a huge part of life that has been hidden from us and that's not okay. So now that it's sort of back or it's coming back and, um, we have, uh, this, this opportunity to, um, in really you know, drastically improve the way that we look at not just ethical companies, but the companies and the corporations that are not uh, doing things to a level or a standard that we should demand of them. Um, I can't state this clearly enough, we really do have to hold governments, businesses, individuals, You know, corporations, we have to hold them to account because if you don't, they will always, always act in their own interest instead of the public interest. And the thing that I really am sort of trying to drive home here is that we we have this sort of imbalance now where uh, even our own government is being rolled uh, by larger corporations or organizations that have got a little too comfortable with their power and their ability to push, you know, money around and uh, influence just using their power for essentially personal gain. And even our governments for decades now have been sold products that were only available through certain, you know, corporate uh, entities or uh, only certain businesses have been allowed to apply for certain roles because they're part of a group or a clique or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, we have this sort of phenomenon of the lack of quality of products and the lack of quality of uh, options on the table that has crept its way right into government contracts where the government doesn't even have the ability to stand up to these uh, companies or these you know uh, corporations and producers and say this stuff you are creating is crap and we're not really happy with having to buy this product you know multiple times a year or once every two years like why isn't there something on the table that will last us a long time why why do we have to sort of follow down this track we're not happy with you you and your uh, what you're putting on the table. And yet, you know, there's so few companies standing up and saying, you know, planting the flag in the sand and saying, you know, we're over here, uh, we are creating products that can essentially revolutionise government spending, that can save taxpayers huge amounts of money, that can save businesses, organisations huge amounts of money by delving back into what we consider is you know, a durable product, a long-lasting product, Uh, putting options on the table that are ethical, long-lasting, durable, uh, amazing, high-quality products that not only are great in their own right, but help the environment in the processing of those products. We're talking about growing hemp, uh, improving environmental conditions, cutting back, on you know pesticides, herbicides, overusage of fresh water. Um, if we can produce products, and there are tens of thousands of products, more are being added every single day. If we can use hemp-based products in particular to overhaul this negative phenomenon that that has essentially been put in place, then I think we do have a really bright future, and and it's the perfect time for these sorts of things to come back because I mean everyone can see it, the writing is on the wall you know the environment is struggling Uh, people are struggling to find work Uh, all our jobs are essentially going offshore or they're going to automation and going to other things and that isn't to say I have a problem specifically with automation, I understand that the way of technology is that we we improve and, and we make things more efficient but what are the what I'm saying is the core principle of just slinging everything out to the lowest uh, quote or like the the most uh, aggressive corporations who are pushing um, just their stuff that they can use their influence to convince other people that that is the way to go because... Maybe the dollar the dollar sign looks better, or you know, the value of the product looks good and good on hand, or you know, whatever it is. Um, I do honestly see that this is going to be overhauled quite quickly, and you know, we only have to look at examples of um, what Elon Musk did with with SpaceX. Uh, SpaceX came in and it basically proved to U.S. Congress and, and the U.S. government that. Uh, they could produce rockets at a fifth the cost that the existing operator could. And they would do that by drastically overhauling the system. And they essentially had to sue the US government, sue the US Air Force, and, and sue the government for a right to even bid on space launch, satellite launch projects. That's how entrenched the existing industry was they had essentially blocked out any other operators from coming in and undercutting them because they knew they had it so good at the top there you know government government contracts absolute cash cow let's just you know let's knock another couple of hundred million on the top of the launch cost you know you went from 400 to 500 million dollar launches for a satellite launch to about 50 million you know 100 million was like a base cost for SpaceX to launch a, a satellite and then They've got longer term goals to cut that down to as low as 50 million. And that's just the outlook for the, the next you know decade or so. So we can apply this principle to so many different industries that that is not a specific thing to you know space operations and, and launches and things In the textiles industry and in the, in the fashion industry, and where I see hemp clothing Australia coming into this, Uh, arena is by offering you know governments and businesses and the public an option to purchase a product that lasts so long that the price per unit becomes almost irrelevant because of the ability to use the, the product over and over and over again and it just simply refuses to deteriorate anywhere near the time frame of the existing stuff on the market so when you take a traditional cotton t-shirt and you wash it if you're lucky enough to wash it in the first three to five times and it doesn't warp in shape or shrink or you know blow out the stitching or whatever issues you run into with generic cotton t-shirts if you Make a hemp t shirt. If you make a hemp t shirt with a small percentage or a smaller percentage of organic cotton blended with the hemp, the strength dramatically increases, the structural integrity dramatically increases. So much so that we can confidently say we can sell a hemp t shirt over a counter and give people an outlook that no matter how much they abuse this t shirt, no matter if they wear it every single day and Throw it through the wash multiple times a week, or whatever they throw at it, it should be able to take it for a significantly longer time than whatever product they've been used to. And I quite often say to members of the public when I'm talking to them directly, or you know, businesses or government, you know, representatives, you know, our t shirts will last somewhere in the order of 20 to 30 years. I mean, if you look after it that's a pretty good outlook. I I think that's quite reasonable. If you abuse the absolute hell out of that T-shirt and just, you know, wear it into the ground, you know, you might stretch 10 years out of it, maybe longer, I don't know. I would like to see the hard, you know, evidence on this with the new age hemp products that we are producing. You know, as machinery has got better, as, as, uh, you know, yarn strength has got better, um, you know, the hemp... uh, Essentially, hemp yarns, the the fabrics we can produce from hemp. Um, We're looking at anywhere between four to eight, potentially higher, four to eight times stronger than traditional cotton. Um, So the tensile strength obviously comes from the size of the hemp plant. We're growing hemp plants. We're hearing reports of hemp plants up to six meters tall, Um, whereas you know cotton plantations, you know you're, you're dealing with your three-inch-long little fiber that unravels from a small little cotton bowl, that white little bowl that grows on the top of the plant. Whereas a hemp plant, you're talking about, you know, three, four, five, up to six-meter hemp plants, individual plants, and you're pulling fibers down the entire length of that bast uh, fiber, which is, that's the whole length of the plant. So... The strength comes from the fact you are literally pulling fibre off what is almost the size of a tree, or is a tree. It's much stronger. And that was the reason why it was eliminated in the the first place as a a commodity, as a product. Uh, It was such a threat to so many different industries. And this is just fibre. This is just, you know, the garment and textile industry getting excited about being given access again to... uh, an amazing plant that can do so many things for this industry so um, I'm I'm really excited about what's to come because we've only just scratched the surface of how far we can take this but um, I won't go into too much detail about it but we we're looking at a lot of different contracts and a lot of ways to save people a lot of money um, reintroduce quality um, really sort of change the narrative change the story of people's relationships to garment quality, fabric quality, textile, you know, the strength of their products in relation to clothing. And I am really optimistic about where we're sort of going to go from here because I used to work, you know, I used to work as part of the old guard in terms of, you know, the the basic cotton industry. You know, your, your synthetics, you know, petrochemical base fibers and, and and products from those that uh, derived from those sources and it just wasn't that exciting it was just another garment there was nothing really that new I mean at, at best we were cutting and sewing our own garments in Adelaide in South Australia we, we, we had and we still can do australian made products we can to this day I can import hemp from China from south korea from lao from other parts of the world you know the americas i can import hemp and cut and sew it in adelaide if our clients want australian made products that's doable they just have to specify that in their orders where we run into issues is the quality of machinery which i was speaking about before so we we have automated cutting machines we our sewing is quite quite uh technical it is good Uh, But there are certain machines we just do not have in Australia that other parts of the world have because their garment and textile industries are so well established. They've soaked up the world's demand for manufacturing and that's what we sort of have to try and match if we want to play with the big boys, so to speak. To be able to sit on that level playing field, we've got to sort of re re reevaluate how we... We situate ourselves and, and do that in Australia, but I, I honestly believe it's possible because we can already sort of do it. It just depends what people want to make. So, I guess uh, I guess what what I would like to see happen um, is I would like to see a lot more uh, individuals, uh, but certainly companies, government uh, bodies, uh, corporate groups. I would like to see them speak up, you know, send, send, uh, send my company an email. Uh, hemp Clothing Australia is here to overhaul your concept of what it means to clothe your organisation and get value for money. Um, you don't have to, to just go back to your existing suppliers and say, are you guys working with hemp? And then they'll probably say no, and then you'll say, oh, well, okay, it looks like we're doing cotton again or we're doing polyester again or we're doing nylon again. And uh, you know, slump back into your chair and be like, "Well, you know, it's the same old, same old thing. Nothing new." Um, companies like like Hemp Clothing Australia are here to change the narrative and the story. We we want and we can affect change. You just have to contact us, get in touch with us, and uh, you know, start the conversation. We can we can have meetings. We can sit down. We can talk to you about what you want to do. And we're not uh, we're not too. Uh, pushy. We don't, we don't force anything down anyone's throats. We're basically just saying, you approach us, tell us what you want, and we'll see if we can do it for you. And there will be a price point for, for hemp, which generally doesn't come under cheaper materials. But the value for money that you will get, the lifespan you will get out of these garments will save you money hand over foot. I guarantee you. And You don't have to take my word for it, but if you look at this sort of trend uh, of what the the greater clothing industry is doing, I think you will find a lot of them are looking into this quite seriously because they know that this industry is coming back, they know the hemp industry is getting higher in demand, and they're paying attention. Some of them aren't, some of them are, the smart ones are, and... I think you'll start to see a lot more hemp products coming out. I mean, I'm certainly noticing it already, but it is the companies like Hemp Clothing Australia that will be able to sort of put their hand up and accept practically any job you can throw at us. Um, it's doable, and uh, we're here to help, so I would like to see people get in touch, and there's no harm done. I mean, if you want a quote, we can do a quote, and you know, if it, if it doesn't work out on paper, well, maybe we need to uh, figure out a more, uh, I guess, a more uh, relative way of describing to you how the value for money comes about in terms of the longevity of, you know, not having to clothe your staff once a year or twice a year. You know, you can have your base set of uniforms and they might last at least a minimum of five up to ten years, and you can rotate those garments if staff come and go. They just hand their garments back in. You wash them; they're beautifully clean. They're still antimicrobial naturally in the fibre. They don't lose their shape. You know the stitching holds. The buttons don't come flying off. You know the the quality, the attention to detail. This is what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I I'm talking about revolutionising the way that we even think clothing operates. That we revolutionising the way that. People uh, have their relationship to what it is that they are putting on their bodies and what to expect from those items. I think a lot of people are disenchanted with clothing, or they've had a bad experience, and you know, endless bad experiences. And they might have had a couple of good ones you know, maybe. You know, uh, it's like running into people who've bought hemp before, and it's like, oh yeah, I still got that, that pair of hemp trousers from 1978 and uh that hemp shirt from you know 1984 uh it's people have bought this stuff in the past and then sometimes they kind of forgot that they did or they couldn't find more of what they wanted or the brand that they were doing it with collapsed or sold and disappeared or whatever but most of the people that I talk to that have bought hemp in the past are very well versed on how long this stuff lasts uh I've mentioned before that, you know, we have dynasties of people, you know, ancient cultures who have been using this stuff for tens of thousands of years, uh, at least eight 8,000 years in China, up to 10,000 years I believe there, but beyond that we don't even know. And they didn't really seem to complain at all, it's sort of like, well, this is the best stuff that we can find and there's no real need to change, so... You know why? Why change it? Why flip the script? Well, you know, fast forward, you know, eight to ten thousand years, and then you have uh, the dawn of what we call the commercialization of the world, uh, monetizing everything, including quality itself, and that is a devastating premise to uh, just evolution itself. Like why? Would you use a product or make something out of a product that you know is bulletproof, and then go and change it back to something that you know is inferior, or uh, you know it just won't last as long, or you know? And and the the pure and simple reason for that, and every I think everyone understands this. It's it's just that is globalization. That is that is monetizing something that it could have been done. A certain way at a certain price once off and you know everyone would have been happy but no if you can make more profit by generating something that's you know poor quality and it deteriorates and then you get to sell it again and then you get to sell it again and again well that's you know that's great for the person lining their pockets that's great for the company that loves making ridiculous amounts of money every year year in and year out and leaving a consumer with no level of satisfaction beyond the expectation that oh yeah we'll just have to buy that again next year or the year after um and this is that sort of uh you know that effect of of the money floating to the top the money always rising to the top and it it lines the coffers of these globalised brands that just keep sourcing the cheapest places in the world to manufacture keep um Lowering the quality of their goods whilst repackaging it and rebranding it and spinning it in a new way and uh, it's just... It's really quite disturbing and depressing in a way but that doesn't have to be the way and as far as I'm concerned it will not be the way of the future because the public are wising up to this. They understand that value for money doesn't really mean much anymore unless you put in the time to track down a brand or you somehow stumble across a brand that's found you and is reintroducing the concept of quality so I would like to sort of extend this uh, you know invitation to read up a bit more about us on, on our website come and just get in touch follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook it's just Hemp Clothing Australia it's very simple, it's very easy to find us um, we had some issues with Google search where we, we were having uh, essentially our SEO search engine optimization. We were having some issues because our brand name was so generic. Uh, it is what it is, you know, it is hemp, it is clothing, and it is made by a company who is based in Australia. Uh, but those generic words were clashing with other things that were already out on the internet, websites that have been in place for over 10 years, and we've found our way to the first page of Google search now, which is great. That's good. So people can sort of find us a little bit easier now. But the issue can be in some cases that companies are not able to reach out and and find people and let people know that they exist. That is a real threat uh, to any companies that are getting off the ground. And that's relevant to all industries. So I think... Uh, what we can sort of safely say is if you can't find us and you're listening to this just put it in your (laughs) put it in your web browser uh, Uh, hempclothingaustralia.com that's us there's no .au we're there Um, if not just search us on Instagram and Facebook and we'll come straight up but um, getting in touch with us is a painless exercise you can shoot us an email um, you know uh, any any inquiry get in touch with us uh, and we uh, we're very sort of receptive to ideas we've got all sorts of uh, you know contracts and things that we're looking at at the moment uh, everything from developing workwear like mining gear right the way through to um, you know uh, staff uniforms and I'm quite serious about getting the government to realise how much money we can save the government and the taxpayer by switching to hemp based uniforms um, and not only uniforms it can extend right the way through to uh, any any building material anytime we build new government buildings you could build it out of hemp creek we can do um, higher quality uh, you know office based materials you know uh, anything you can think of any Sort of, you know, uh, tables, chairs, office equipment, uh, building the new buildings from scratch, clothing, you know, all the uniforms, all the, um, all of the exterior things that go into fitting out a government department. A lot of those could be improved by hemp, and we could even pump money back into our local communities if that hemp is being grown here in Australia. You know, this—it's not rocket science. know you take you take a product that is grown and produced in australia you ship it a very little distance via truck to a processing mill of some description it gets processed into whatever it needs to be processed into and then you take that processed commodity to a manufacturer who knows what to do with it and make stuff out of it just do it like get out there and do it there are people who know how to work with this stuff and in the case that you know you want to make something and no one knows how to make it get on the internet go look at where it's being made elsewhere in the world maybe they could teach you how to do it or you can buy some stuff from them reverse engineer it there's no limit to the options that you have on the table so uh, i'm quite serious about this and when i'm when i'm talking to people who are a little bit stuck in life and don't know what to do or they're very interested in what we're doing at Hemp Clothing Australia, but sort of baffled as to how we wound up here, like we're some sort of mystical group of wizards or something. It's like, no, we're, we're just people who were in an industry that was sort of floundering around a bit, and it, it just had a massive opening for improvement, rapid improvement, and we jumped on it. And we jumped on it early because we could see it coming. The writing was on the wall. Uh... You know people are sick of poor quality garments poor quality clothing uniforms all of that and that was our specialty so we thought bugger it well why don't we make a start let's get into this let's do it and let's not just be a small little brand that just does clothing you know that just does a little range let's do absolutely everything any project anything you name it we'll give it a red hot go and if we can't do it then there's no obligation like you know we, we gave it a shot we've got research and development facilities coming out of our ears nothing is impossible so to just give something a crack is, is not it's not hard like we, you know you just get in there and you give it a good go you know the worst thing that can happen is you can't pull off a project and you know you learn something you'll learn something from that exercise but to not try to just accept the norm um that is what I would consider failure in itself if you are not prepared to seek a better way of doing things then you know what is the point we may as well just put the stop you know put the stop uh, the market you know put it down say right bugger it we're done with evolution you know let's just stop here and you know uh, everything else that happens from now we'll just do do it the way you know do it the way we learnt in school and that that's it you know Let's close the universities. Like you get the point. Like it's, we may as well just keep pressing on because it's not. It's not that hard to develop new things. You just got to make a start, and you, you know, you might think you're developing some new, you know, uh, ultra durable, uh, you know, twill like a garment, a, a, a textile for um, for denim, and then you know you'll discover it's useful for something else. Like you might find out that. Um, uh, you know, for instance, like, uh, you'll make a, you'll make a T-shirt fabric, like a jersey knit T-shirt fabric for some, you know, company that wants it done a certain way or they want a particular balance of other organic materials woven in uh, or knitted in with the hemp, That you know, they'll find that that textile, that fabric works for something else. And you think, oh, well, this could be used over here. So, um, people do discover things by mistake. That's just another fact of, of life itself so there's a lot of moving room in and around the hemp industry to figure out new things and create new industries and uh, I think it's a super bright time to be into it so that's exciting for me but in terms of the research and development side of things um, we're very open to other people's ideas and working with other other you know uh, businesses or brands or governments um, other you know other clothing companies in developing new things uh, that's not that's not hard you know we can do that so as we uh, sort of approach Adelaide I think we're a third the way home um, we we will round this podcast out pretty soon uh, we've already been going for four, 49 minutes but I just want to sort of get it through Uh, through to you guys that um, there is a lot happening and uh, I'm obviously quite optimistic about everything and I want to see more um, I want to see Australia more involved directly with growing hemp. Um, What I've seen today is a bunch of different cultivars that you know had no real prospects of you know uh, prospering here in our harsh climate here in South Australia it's over I think it's over 35 36 degrees here today celsius and uh, they were flourishing they were bright green they looked relatively happy and yes they were being you know well looked after but you know the, the the seeds in the ground and it's growing and it's growing somewhere where you think well maybe it would be a bit too hot for that but if you talk to anyone who knows anything about Australia and you know the the cannabis industry, the black market, um, these things are a fact of life. They do exist. Uh, People would probably have told you from day one, cannabis or hemp, it grows like a weed because it practically is a weed. This stuff grows, guys. It's not rocket science. So if you're thinking about getting into the industry, just get connected, uh, get into your local hemp association uh, cannabis uh, based groups they're they're all out there and there there are communities behind this stuff you only have to go to something like the Hemp Health Innovation Expo that we've just had in Melbourne uh, in the Melbourne Convention Centre, like this is the biggest convention centre in the southern hemisphere and they filled one of the largest rooms with a hemp and cannabis industry expo and you know, it's happening, guys. That there's a, there's lots there's lots of room for more players. Uh, the existing players are, are getting new opportunities every day. Um, this isn't just something that's just fluttering around in the background, um, and as it shouldn't be, because you know, there's lots there's lots that we can all benefit uh, from this industry, from the diverse range of market opportunities from a business side it's very exciting but I think from an ecological side um, from a a social side uh, from purely from the side of prosperity for not only Australians but people all over the world um, this is an exciting time to be alive and you cannot allow people to hold you back and tell you that this isn't going to work or that it's a fruitless exercise and you're wasting your time or that their industry is better than ours and all this sort of bullshit, basically. Um, If you're getting into those sorts of conversations, I'd just say, walk away. You don't have to try and convince those people otherwise, or you don't have to listen to that sort of uh, negative feedback. If you want to surround yourself with positive, energetic people, just come along to the hemp industry. Come along to the cannabis industry. We haven't even scratched the surface here yet. I mean, you wait till the social use cannabis movement gets going in Australia. I mean, you can see the medicinal side sort of gaining ground, uh, the industrial side's gaining ground. Wait till social use cannabis is mainstream in Australia. I mean, Colorado, United States, they did 997 million US dollars of social use and medicinal based uh, cannabis sales in 2015 I think it was and in 2016 they they did more, they did 1.2 billion I believe it was and of course all of that money trickles down into taxation, that taxation flows into you know the coffers of the local government you know the state government and the public benefits you know there's 200 million us dollars alone went into uh, the state of colorado that's one state of the united states so when i'm talking about australia i'm saying to you guys if you're not quite sure about what's happening then just go do some research have a look at some figures i'm not saying that every australian out there is you know a raging pot smoker or cannabis enthusiast There are many uses for it. Medicinal cannabis is by far the most promising uh, boom we see uh, eventuating in medicine right now. I'm totally for it. Um, But to write off social use cannabis and social use cannabis users as uh, a demographic of society that don't deserve to sort of get their way or that don't deserve to have what they want access to, um, I think that's extremely short-sighted. You have, if that's your position, you don't have the right to say that because you've probably never used cannabis in your life. And if you have and you still think that way, well, that's okay, that's fair enough. But that doesn't mean you have the right to tell people they can't have access to something that's never hurt a single person in the history of mankind. Okay? So I'm essentially saying the hemp community, the cannabis community, um, they are a brotherhood. They are not separated, you know, definitively. There are some people who don't see eye to eye, but that's the same with any sort of industries that are closely related. There's always some sort of little niggling issues. But on the whole, the whole thing is going ahead. I don't care who you are, where you're from. Uh, The whole thing is going ahead. And you can integrate a little bit at a time. You can screw around with legislation and you can, you know go through backdoor avenues to try and hold up you know uh, the hemp and cannabis industry from, from gaining ground again but I tell you what you're going to fail because the public want it and um, I can say that with confidence because you can't you can't stop it now it's just uh, I, I don't know I don't, I don't see I just don't see it being stopped and I said that in the, in the last podcast but I just I like to remind people that when these things get momentum <laughs> you're going to have to be basically rolling an army over Australia to stop this thing once it really gets gets going. So, um, yeah, if you're on that side of the fence and you don't like what you see, well, um, just be prepared for a fight. That's what I'm saying. But anyway, uh, onto a positive note, I would like to thank uh, the South Australian government for... Uh, getting their act together and realising that this is a happening thing and that the public wanted it, farmers wanted it, the industry wants it. Um, the state of the economy needs it. Uh, our, our farming regions need it. They need something and they needed this uh, trial to go ahead and this, this recent sort of batch of trials is still quite early, uh, you know, um, but it's already very promising from 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 what we've seen, and there's plenty more work to do, um, and I'm, you know, I may have been apprehensive towards trials in the first place because I thought it was a gigantic waste of time because we know this stuff all grows anyway, we don't need to do trials, but if this is the way that the government likes to work and I can understand uh, their reasons for... Really pressing for trials. That's that's you know a, a logical decision on their behalf to you know be uh, precautionary. Um, I get that, and I appreciate that they've actually gone ahead and done it. They've held their word, and uh, they are going to keep keep pushing for more trials and more uh, more research. But all the while, the farmers do now have the right to apply for a licence to grow hemp in South Australia and that's fantastic. So the process might take a while to get all the paperwork done but farmers are ready, Um, they're keen to start growing and we should have seed in the ground within the next 12 months in terms of farmers Um, and that's really positive I'm super, super happy for everyone uh, who's looking into doing the farming and really interested to see how the industries respond, uh, to how the supply and demand side of things stacks up, and it might be a bit of a slow start to get going. It might be a blossoming industry that just explodes. We don't really know yet, but the the point is we've started. Um, you know, we've got we've got hemp in the ground. It's growing. It looks beautiful. I might check up a little uh, Instagram post uh, to show you some of the uh, beautiful plants that we saw today. And uh, I really hope you guys appreciate um, what is happening here because this is historic. Um, We are essentially reinstating what should be the norm. Cannabis and hemp should always be the norm. It should have always been accessible. So we are not essentially legalising this stuff. We are bringing it back to where it should have always been. It should never have been outlawed. So on that note, as we near the hour mark, I will say goodbye. I'll get myself home safely and i'll upload this podcast so you guys can have a listen at any point you want feel free to share it chuck it on your social media uh the hemp clothing australia podcast this is chris martin founder of hemp clothing australia signing out enjoy your hemp guys bye